Hey everyone, welcome to Refinery Life Church and welcome to another Thursday evening teaching. Yeah, I'm glad you're sticking with us. We're going to be working through this series quite quite a long time, but uh, you know, it's going to be worth it. And you know, if you're looking for a new church family, why don't you come and join us on Sundays? We meet at 23 T.E. Peters Drive at Broadbeach. <coughs> and we'd love to see you there. We're a friendly church. We preach the Word of God. And you know what? That's all you really need to be looking for. And let me encourage you. This Sunday morning, we have Brother Sadhu coming in all the way from Singapore to minister to us. He's meeting or having one meeting on the Gold Coast, and that's this Sunday at 9.30 at Refinery Life Church. You can book online, have a look on our website. The booking form is there for you. If you're a pastor, let me encourage you, close your church. Bring your congregation this week, because Brother Sadhu is going to deliver a message for us, I'm sure, that is going to change this city and shake this city up and this country. And you have a choice. You can be part of that or not. It's entirely up to you. But join me now in the Lord's Prayer as well. We pray the Lord's Prayer every time we meet because when the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray, this was his response. He said, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let me encourage you. We're currently working through reading the Bible in a year. If you'd like to be part of that, get in contact with me and I'll add you to the group. And I'm also sending out daily devotion, which only takes about three to three and a half minutes each day. And the reports we're getting back is people are being blessed by them. So if you want to be part of that, let us know as well. You know, every believer needs to know what the Bible says about spiritual issues. That would mean we need to read the Bible so we know. For the next three months... There's about two months to go. What the Bible says is the theme of our Thursday evening messages. And today's message is titled, What the Bible Says About Things That Accompany Salvation. So what are the things that accompany salvation? That's what we're looking at today. The text we're concentrating on is Hebrews 6, 9. It talks about a better estimate. You've got your Bible, let's read it together. I'm reading from the New King version but you can read from whichever version you like verse 9 says but beloved we are confident of better things concerning you yes things that accompany salvation though we speak in this manner you know what I'm the same I'm believing for better things for you those things that accompany salvation the scriptures we're going to work through is Hebrews 6 7 to 12 let's read them together <coughs> Verse 7, for the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives the blessings from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed. Whose end is to be burned? Then there's a better estimate. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. Verse 10, for God is not unjust to forget your work 
and labour of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. I like that bit. You have ministered and you do minister. Verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those through faith and patience. Inherit the promises. We need to imitate those that are doing the work. At one stage, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Don't become sluggish, church. Keep going. You might get tired sometimes, but keep going. Don't give up. Let's pray for offering. If you've got your seed there and you're ready to sow, you're sowing into good soil at the refinery. And the details will be going across the bottom of the screen for you. Father, we come to you today because you loved us first. You made us, Lord. We are your creations. You redeemed us, Lord. And we know that every good and perfect thing comes from you and your bountiful hands. Lord, make us stewards of what you've given us and what you will give us. By your grace, we have been brought with a price and therefore we want to glorify you this evening, Lord. Lord, receive from our hearts these gifts. Receive from our hands these gifts. Lord, and bless them to your glory this evening. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, one fallacy that has stopped the spiritual growth of countless Christians is the concept of salvation as a termination point rather than a starting point. People say, I'm saved, and that's it. That's not the case. It is almost as though some people, when they are saved, look back on that experience and say, whew, I took care of that. Now I can settle down to the business of living. And they build a fence around their Christianity. And they pay periodic visits. But by and large, they live their lives as they want to. In this Hebrews passage, the author is talking not only about what constitutes salvation, rather he is he's recalling what manifests or demonstrates a genuine salvation, both in believers themselves and those who observe them. You know the world's watching you? If you say you're a believer of Christ, the world's watching you. You better be living up to it. In the letter to the Hebrews, we discover four major gifts that accompany our salvation. Let's work through them this evening. Because I want you living up to your claim that you are a believer. First, we have the gift of assurance. Quite often a pastor hears someone say, Pastor, there are times when I seriously doubt that I've ever been saved. That's something we hear as ministers. A person's face indicates that they're not idle words because the distress and uncertainty are plainly seen. Often the person will add, I just don't feel faith in my relationship with God. What people who doubt their salvation fail to realise is that few things in the world are more undependable than feelings. God will not work with your feelings. He will not work with your emotions. Let me assure you of that this evening. And because of the inconsistency of our feelings, Satan delights in, in attacking us at this point. 
In Hebrews 6, 17 to 20, we are taught that the security of our salvation rests exclusively on the faithfulness of God and not ourselves. Our salvation rests on him, not our feelings. Praise him for that. Two things are underscored in this passage that form the basis for the assurance of our salvation. The first one is the word of God. Our confidence in fellow believers may be shattered because of their human weakness. But God's word never changes. It is alive with the breath of God. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Second thing is Jesus' mission in heaven for Christians right now is further assurance that we are eternally secure in the grace of God. Jesus functions now as our high priest. He is there to intercede for us, to represent us before the Father in heaven. Our second point this evening is we have an awakening of spiritual appetite. In this passage, the writer tells us that milk is important for children. Milk contains certain elements that are necessary for the development of young bodies. It contributes to the growth and development of the bone structure, enabling us to stand upright and to walk. But there comes a time in the growth development where there must be a supplement to the milk. The body needs strength that comes from meat. The church is the same here. Too many churches are still feeding their congregation milk. And they're weak. They can't stand up for that very reason. They can't walk for that very reason. The body needs the strength that comes from meat. The milk supplied the calcium for the child's teeth. And now the child is equipped to chew meat. The meat represents all the solid foods that a child can eat after passing through infancy, after passing through their salvation experience. The spiritual analogy is obvious. During the first stage of our spiritual development, we must have the milk of God's word. We would choke on the strong meat of the word in the early days of our Christian life. Sadly, what we're seeing is people say that they're saved, all of a sudden they're prophets. But they never had the milk diet. They tried to get onto the meat and they choke on it. Before long, the milk of the word provides bone structure and the teeth, and we are ready for the strong meat of God's word. The third thing is we have a longing for association with God's people. Association is referred to three times in the Hebrews letter. First, the writer appealed to the Hebrews to not give up meeting together. Some of you need to hear that. There's this fallacy around at the moment that you don't need to go to church if you're a believer. Let me. The word says, do not give up meeting together. And then he remembered, sorry, reminded them to remember those who first spoke the word of God to them. And finally, he instructed them to obey their leaders and submit to their authority. Now, that's a dirty word in churches, isn't it? that you should obey your leader. You should obey the spiritual leaders over you and submit to their authority. And I understand that some ministers from especially big churches lately, we've all seen them in the news, have abused their, their authority, and that's wrong. But we need to submit to our leaders. He was saying that 
We are not to stop coming together in Jesus' name. We are to follow the admonishments and the exhortations of those whom God has set over us as teachers and shepherds. And we are to show appreciation and thanksgiving for those whom God uses to speak his word to us. Then in Hebrews 13.1, we are told to let brotherly love continue. This cannot be done effectively or consistently unless we assemble together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. How can we love one another if we never see each other and we never spend time together? This is why the Lord's day and the Lord's house should be meaningful to the people of God. If you're one of those people who always turn up late for church, set an alarm clock and get up a little bit earlier. If you're one of those that don't want to serve in your church, why are you even going? If you're part of the family, contribute. Not only do we receive strength, but we have the opportunity to share strength in Christ with each other when we gather together. Third, we are told to strive for peace and avoid bitterness. The way some Christians act when they come to God's house is a disgrace. It's disgraceful. They sow discord and are hurtful and snobbish. We see them in every church. They come in with their own agenda and it's to cause trouble, cause division. But when Christ is Lord in our lives, we act as magnets and draw those who are lonely and those who are confused. Gathering with other genuine Christians makes us eager for the Lord's day to come so that we can be in the Lord's house and fellowship with the people of God forever. On the other hand, failing to meet together on a basis is a symptom. When I meet a Christian that tells me, I just, I just love Jesus, I have a relationship with him, I don't need to go to church, it tells me exactly where they're at. is we have a determination to adhere to that which is essential for spiritual growth. We stick to it. Throughout the letter to the Hebrews, the clearest emphasis falls on faith. Not faith simply as trust, but rather as a steadfast loyalty to what has been known and heard and seen and experienced of God. It is a quality of faith that holds fast. How's your faith? When you have tough times, are you sticking to it? Are you counting God's word as trustful, truthful, and living by it? Or are you turning to the world when things are tough? How tragic that some Christians are like clouds in the sky, driven by the wind first that way and then, and then the other way. There's no stability in their faith. These are the same people you see hopping around from churches and saying, I don't need to go to church anymore. Then there's a quality of faith that persists. There comes those trying times in all of our lives when we feel like throwing in the towel. I've been there so many times. But true faith persists. It keeps on keeping on even in the face of overwhelming difficulties. Believers may indeed be down occasionally but they must rise again tenaciously and perseveringly. God gives us the strength to do this, church. As I finish up this evening, many other things accompany our salvation as well, but these are the basics, assurance, appetite, 
association, adherence, perseverance. Are these things present and operative in your life? What is the state of your spiritual health? We need to be able to answer these questions, church. Are you failing to grow in the faith? Because these accompaniments are too great and free salvation is dormant and inoperative in your life? I can't answer that question for you. You need to look at it yourself. And I want to encourage you, as I do every time we meet, to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us than we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the Word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because our God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him. And if you allow Him, He'll make you whole, spirit, soul, and body. And you're important to us. You know that already, but you're also important to the refinery. So you're important to God, you're important to us. When it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about and need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. This year, 2023, is a year, we believe, of divine restoration and divine recovery. If you want some of that, get yourself closer to the Lord. And until next time, stay in the blessings. <laughs>